we would fix our eyes on Christ and that we would live the lives that you have not only called us to live but also empowered us to live. And help us now as we look at your word, help us to see what you have for us in knowing you and helping others know you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Jesus is alive. Oh, yes. Yes, thank you, Dan. Uh, Dan's alive, too. Uh, <laughs> uh, kids, we have Children's Church. For those aged about four to seven, if you would like to go with Mr. Blaskowski, uh, you may go and follow him. Okay. So Jesus is alive. Now what? Uh, I love the Easter season, but I don't love the idea that some people are tempted to think that we're done with it. Easter season is not like Christmas decorations in January that you look at them and like, oh yeah, I should probably take those down now. It's done. Easter is something that we should carry with us throughout our lives. The fact that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead means that we have a new life to live and that is true for you and it is true for every person. We've been looking at the Easter story from the book of Matthew. Last Sunday we looked at the glorious story of the resurrection. But Matthew didn't end there. We saved the last five verses of his gospel for today because in these verses, Matthew tells us some of what it should look like in our lives now that Jesus is alive and we know him. What should we do with that? Well, Matthew tells us Jesus' words and the command in this passage is that we are to make disciples. Now, a disciple of Jesus is somebody, simply put, who follows Jesus somebody who learns from him with the goal of becoming more like him. And I like, if you really want a simple definition of the word disciple, just look at the, the people who actually followed Jesus. What did they do? They met with him. They learned from him. And Jesus changed them. It's a supernatural process to be changed by God as we interact with Jesus. That's what it means to be a disciple. And as you'll see in our passage today, it's not just that Jesus wanted people to follow him, it's also that he wanted those people who follow him, which includes us, by the way, to help other people follow him. So my big idea for today, I'm going to give it to you right away. We are to be disciples of Jesus Christ. We are also to make disciples. We're to be disciples. We're to make disciples. Kind of reminds me of our mission statement here at Cornerstone Church. We have a passion to know Christ, and we are commissioned to make him known. You see both parts of there, the passion to know Christ, that's us being disciples, that's us following Jesus, continually seeking after God. And then the second part, we are commissioned to make him known. The commission means like we are sent, we are given a job. We are to make him known. We are to make disciples. And let me clarify something. The word disciple doesn't just describe some super Christians. It's not like... Uh, you know, there, there's some who are disciples and there are some who are just regular Christians. No, the word disciple is meant to describe every one of us as we follow Jesus and learn from him and are changed by him. So if we are to follow him and become more like Jesus, shouldn't we then join with him in his mission? At the end of our passage today, we're going to see Jesus saying that we are to teach others everything, teach them to obey everything he has commanded us. So we are to obey Jesus and then one of the things that we are to obey is this command that we teach others to obey. Do you see that? So the Great Commission was not just given to that first group of disciples, it's given to us because somebody was supposed to teach us to obey everything that Jesus commanded and we are supposed to teach others to obey everything that Jesus commanded. And in that sense, discipleship is like a chain. 
So you see, every Christian is a disciple. And every Christian is to make disciples. So we're going to talk today about making disciples. And, and believe me, I understand that when we begin to address this topic of making disciples, there are people who their reaction is to kind of hang their head in shame and say, oh, I'm not doing that very well, am I? And, and I understand that. And let me assure you, my point today is not to make any of you feel guilty for what you're not doing. Actually, my point today is I want you to be encouraged to see how God can empower every one of us to do our part in making disciples. It's God's work he does it through us, but he's going to empower us to do it. And again, think about Easter. Jesus Christ rose from the dead, right? Pretty amazing miracle that God did. Well, it's that same God who wants to fill us with new life and empower us to help others know Christ and to follow him. So this is God's work. The same God who rose Jesus from the dead can work in you to help other people know Christ and to follow him. So we're going to talk about making disciples. And making disciples, like Ethan said in his update, it, it includes two parts. It includes helping them come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord, and it includes helping them to grow in their faith. Both of those are included in what we are calling making disciples. And, and let me assure you of one other thing. I don't come before you as somebody who has this all figured out, not by any means. I have some experience in this field, but I guarantee you that I am a work in progress both as a disciple and as a disciple maker. As a disciple, I want to keep following Christ. I want to do a better job today than I did yesterday. And I want all of us to grow like that. And then as a disciple maker, yeah, maybe I've had some opportunity to do, to do some of that, but I want to do it even more. I want to be equipped and strengthened by God to do it even more. So I come before you as, as one who wants to, to learn this message and be strengthened in it. So I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to any of you. But I, but I want you to join with me in this process of being disciples and making disciples. So let's look together at what Jesus tells us about making disciples. And to do that, we're going to look at the last five verses of the Gospel of Matthew, often called the Great Commission. So if you've heard that phrase floating around out there, here's where we get it from. The Great Commission from Jesus to his followers. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk through the passage first and then give you some practical tips about how you can join in making disciples. So Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So just to walk through this passage first, one thing I love about verse 16 is that Jesus still leads. Uh, the angel had told the disciples and Jesus himself had had a message for the disciples to go to Galilee and Jesus was going to meet with them. Well, Jesus did, just as he said he would. And, and the truth is that Jesus still leads us today. So we should look with expectation to him as he still seeks to lead us into fruitful ministry. Michael Wilkins, the theologian, said, We worship and follow a risen master who is with us constantly. Jesus still leads. Let's keep following. 
Then verse 17. I love this verse for a couple of reasons. The first reason is that we see this response of the disciples. They worshipped Jesus. They, they saw him, and I'm sure they were amazed, and they worshipped him. And that is the exact right response for us to give to Jesus as well. That we should worship him. That we should live our whole lives in worship of him. Not just singing songs, but actually obeying him and following him too. That's part of our worship. And actually one of the great ways that we can worship Jesus is by obeying his command to make disciples. So we're to worship Jesus. That's the first thing I love. The second thing I love um, is this, what it says in here, but some doubted. Now let me tell you my story about this. I was about 15 years old when I started following Jesus Christ. And almost immediately after I started following Christ, I realized that I was supposed to tell other people as well. And it wasn't like somebody had told me this message. It wasn't like people kept telling me, you need to do this, Eric, you need to do it. No, it was just as I read my Bible and as I thought about what God did for me, it was just abundantly clear to me that I should be telling other people about this wonderful news and helping them grow in their faith. But I was terrified of doing that. For about four years in my Christian walk, I knew that I should be telling other people about Jesus and, and teaching them to obey Jesus, and I just wasn't doing it because I was scared to talk to other people. So I, I would say that you know, I had some doubts about myself. I would also say that I was being pretty disobedient in those four years. But what I love about what it says here, it says the disciples worshipped him, but some doubted. It doesn't tell us exactly why they doubted. Maybe they were unsure of themselves. Maybe they were just kind of shell-shocked about all of this. But we might think that Jesus' response to their doubt would be like, okay, hold on a second here. Uh, I was going to tell you guys something really wonderful, but I can't do it now because some of you idiots are doubting. That's not what he said. Isn't it amazing that it says right at the end of verse 17, but some doubted, and in the next three verses, Jesus gave one of the most powerful commands in the whole Bible? the people who are doubting. I think that that's pretty neat. It encourages me. I know that I'm weak, but it encourages me to see that God can use weak people like me to do his wonderful work of making disciples. Okay, so then let's get into the Great Commission. Jesus starts off by saying, oh, it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. Philippians 2 reminds us that Jesus has been given the name that is above every name and that one day at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That is the authority that he has been given. We're told about this authority in Daniel 7 in the Old Testament. We learn there about one like a son of man who is given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All people's nations and men of every language worshipped him. There is no higher authority than God. And Jesus is God the Son. At the end of the Bible, we read that Jesus has the name King of Kings and Lord of Lords. All authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. Now, that was Jesus' introduction for what he was about to say. I think that's a pretty... Uh, I, I've never been introduced that way, by the way. never will be, but... Uh, pretty amazing introduction, makes me think that we should listen to what it is that he's going to say next. So let's look at it. Jesus says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
Now, I'm not going to get into a grammar lesson here. W would anybody enjoy a grammar? Those of you that enjoy grammar can meet with me after the service. Okay, a couple of you. We can talk about participles and verbs, but I'm not going to bore the rest of you with that. I just want to let you know that in the original Greek language in which this was written, they have a way of showing you a main word and then supporting words underneath that. And in our passage, there is very clearly one main command. And I, I know that some of you know this, but the, the Great Commission, it kind of looks like in English there's two commands, but there's really one command. And the command is make disciples. That is the main command of this passage. Now again, a follower of Jesus is someone who learns from him and becomes more like him. Uh, a couple weeks ago, some of us went to the district conference of the Evangelical Free Church in Minnesota, and the topic there was making disciples. And in the first session, the, the main speaker, his name was Aaron Couch, he took us to Matthew 4.19 to describe to us what a disciple is. Uh, Matthew 4.19, Jesus said, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And the speaker pointed out three parts of what it means to be a disciple. The first part, Jesus said, come follow me. That means that we, we give of ourselves to follow somebody else. The second part, he emphasized this word, I will make you. As in to say, Jesus looked at these people who were fishers of fish, and he said, I'm going to transform you into something. And how did that happen? Well, they followed him, and as they followed Jesus, they became more like him. And then the last part, what, did, what were they changed into? They were changed into fishers of men. They became people who took up Jesus' mission, not just their own mission. We all have plans in our lives, but what we should do is submit to Jesus and his plans and follow him. So a disciple of, of Jesus is one who, this is how Aaron Couch put it, one who follows Jesus, is being changed by Jesus, and is on mission with Jesus. And what I would say, I just just to kind of add my own two cents to it. Um, a disciple is somebody who gives their life to Jesus. We were not created to direct our own lives. We were created to give our lives to Jesus Christ, receiving him as Savior and Lord. Re receiving him as Savior because we are sinners who have messed things up and gone our own way and offended God, and we need that forgiveness that only Jesus can give us. So to be a disciple of Jesus means we, we know we need that forgiveness and we receive him as Savior but we also receive him as Lord because remember, he is the authority. He is king, he is master, he is Lord, and we are to give our lives to him, to follow him. So a disciple follows Jesus Christ, gives their lives to him. Okay, so that's what it means to be a disciple. But what Jesus says here is that we are to make disciples. And here's how it works then. What we are supposed to be in following Jesus, we are to teach others to be. We are to urge others to be. And being a disciple, uh, let me just clarify this too, it doesn't just stop with that moment of coming to know Jesus, or neither does it stop if, if you're sharing the gospel with somebody and they receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. It doesn't stop there. In fact, here's how I like to think of disciple making. Everybody, everybody on earth is somewhere on a scale from negative 10 to positive 10. So negative 10 would be that person who hates God, rejects God, wants nothing to do with God. And positive 10 would be somebody like who it says in 1 John 2, 6, is walking just as Jesus did. Now I would guess that every single one of us falls somewhere in between those two extremes, okay? I hope at least we don't have anybody who just hates God. They, they usually don't show up to church. And uh, the only people who are walking just as Jesus did are people who are in heaven. So we're somewhere in between. But the goal of making disciples is that we would help somebody along the way. So if you meet somebody who's at a negative seven 
Maybe your job is to help them go to a negative six by answering some of their questions or by just showing them love. Or maybe you meet somebody who's a positive two and your goal is to help them become a positive three by challenging them maybe to take their faith more seriously or to become more actively involved in church or to read their Bible, things like that. But again, the point here is that we would make disciples, that we would help people become more like Christ. And 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, like Ethan put this on his PowerPoint as well, it's a helpful one. Paul said to Timothy, the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, and I like that part, Paul had been teaching Timothy a bunch of things over the years, and not just Timothy, but others as well. Paul said those things uh, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. So again, it's like this chain. We learn it from somebody and we are to pass it on to others. And we don't just pass it on to other people, we also teach those other people how to pass it on to others so that the chain won't be broken. Okay, so make disciples. That's the key word here. And one, one just quick point before we get to those three supporting words that I mentioned. Jesus said that we are to make disciples of all nations not just the people of Fergus Falls who need this message. It's people all over the world. So we should all be actively involved somehow in the spread of the gospel throughout the world. Now some of you will be able to go, some of you won't, but you'll be able to send people. But, but somehow, whether through going or whether through supporting people financially or through prayer, we should all be involved in this process of making disciples of all nations. Okay. Main command is make disciples. And there's three supporting words in it. The first one is go. Now you've maybe heard it said, and I think that this is an accurate statement, that this word could also be translated as as you are going. It's a supporting word. And what Jesus means here by this is he implies that we're going to be going. That there, there should be some action involved in our making disciples. Um, as we follow Jesus, we should be going to others to help them follow Jesus. And maybe for some of you that means that you'll go to Australia. Or maybe like the Larsons, you move closer to Minneapolis so that you can go and, and reach the world from there. Or maybe it just means you go to your neighbor or to your sister or whoever else God opens the door with. But we are to go with the gospel message, taking this message to others. And let me just say one obvious thing about the word go Disciples are not made in our lack of effort. Disciples aren't made by accident as we do nothing. We should be actively involved in this process. Now, don't get me wrong. We're supposed to rest sometimes. God gives us one day a week to rest. And I think it's good to have you know, recreational hobbies, things that we enjoy as well. But we should all be involved in, in many levels, really, in this process of going with the gospel message, making disciples. So get involved in it. Every Christian should be actively involved in making disciples. And, and let me just say this. Do you believe that this message is true? So think about last Sunday, the message we heard, whether it was here or some other church. Or the message that Jesus Christ died for your sins and rose again from the dead so that you can have new life with him right now, a relationship with him, and you can spend eternity with him. Do you believe that? Has, has it changed your life? Is that message worth bringing to other people? Yeah. 
that, that's what I was convicted of even before anybody told it to me. I just knew it. This message is not just for me. It's for everyone. So let's bring it to them. Where to go. Okay, the second supporting word here is baptize. It says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now you might wonder, what does baptizing have to do with helping people follow Jesus? Well, that's a good question. Well, and let me explain. Here's how we do it at Cornerstone. We baptize people here at Cornerstone who have made a profession of faith. They say, I have received Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord, and I commit to following Him all the days of my life. Those are the two questions that I ask them when they're in the water. Have you received Him? Will you commit to following Him? And if they say yes, we baptize them. And baptism then stands as a symbol of initiation into Jesus Christ. It's, it's a, a physical picture of what has already happened in the person's heart and their commitment to Christ. So what baptism is then, it's, it's really us, when we're urging people to get baptized, we're urging people to belong to Christ and to make that commitment, that statement, that they do belong to Christ. So when Jesus here tells us to baptize people, he's, he's telling us to urge people to come to Jesus, to bring the gospel to them so that they realize that they need to put their life in his hands. So a few quick application points here. First, if you have not yet received Jesus as your Savior and Lord, do it right now. Talk to him in your heart. Ask him to forgive your sins. Tell him you'll follow him the rest of your life. Second point of application, if you have received Jesus but have not yet been baptized, you should do that. And please talk with me about that. And parents, I, I love talking with kids about baptism. Uh, so if you'd like for me to come over and talk with your kids, I'd be glad to do that. And then the third point of application, urge people to come to Jesus and to be baptized as part of the Great Commission. Okay, then let's move on to this third supporting word. The third supporting word is teaching. We are to teach people to obey everything that Jesus commanded. In John 14, 15, Jesus said, If you love me, you will obey what I command. Disciples obey Jesus. So as we're making disciples, we are to teach people to obey Jesus. Now, here Jesus said, what, teach them to obey everything that I commanded you. Well, one of the names of Jesus in the Bible is the Word. So as we're to teach people what Jesus commanded, really, it's the entire Bible. Now, if that sounds like a difficult thing to you, to teach somebody to obey the entire Bible, it is. And really what it is, it's a lifelong process. And does it make sense then that at Cornerstone, is it our passion to know Christ and to make him known, that we base what we do on God's word? Because we're trying to make disciples here, teaching them to obey God's word. So this is not something that you do just in one sit-down meeting with a person. It's a lifelong process of being disciples and making disciples using God's word. And let me just say one thing about teaching it's really important to teach people about Jesus. I've heard some people say that, oh, we're just supposed to show them love. You know, if they need a cup of water, we give it to them. And, and we really show the gospel more with our actions than we do with our words. And, you know, there's some truth in that, but let me say this. If all you do is show love to people, but you don't teach them to follow Jesus, you have not even come close to loving them fully. Jesus asked us with his final words here to make disciples. He didn't just say love people. He said make disciples. 
So love them, yes, but teach them to follow Jesus. So for us here at Cornerstone, whether it's me up here on a Sunday morning teaching you or whether it's your small group leader or your Sunday school teacher or your youth group leader, what we're doing when we bring you the word of God is we are urging you to be disciples and to obey Jesus. And it's a lifelong process for all of us growing in that. Okay, so we're to make disciples by going, baptizing, and teaching. We're to do it for people of all nations. That's a huge task. I bet the disciples felt overwhelmed. I'm guessing that some of you feel either overwhelmed or inadequate, like I do. But that's why I love the bookends here of the Great Commission. Remember in verse 18, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go. And at the end here, he says, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The Great Commission is Jesus' idea. And we don't go about it in our own power. We do it with his authority. And we don't go about it by ourselves. We do it with his presence. So yes, it is a huge task, but it is God's task, and he wants to be with you in it. Remember, Jesus is still Emmanuel, God with us. That's how I want you to see the Great Commission. It's God's task, and he wants you to join with him with the very authority of Jesus and the the presence of Jesus with you. So we are to be disciples and make disciples. Um, I don't know where I heard this quote, but I like this quote a lot. Disciple-making is not a program of the church. It is the program of the church. Let me explain that. What I mean by that is that it's not like here at Cornerstone we do our Sunday morning worship services and small groups and youth group and other things and discipleship. It's not like discipleship is one of the side ministries that we do. Discipleship is meant to be a part of everything that we do here, teaching you, urging you to become more like Christ part of our process of making disciples. So we are to continue to make disciples through all that we do, urging people to come to Jesus and urging people to grow in their faith, teaching them, guiding them to grow in their faith. Everything we do at Cornerstone is to be about those things. Knowing Christ, helping others know Christ. Okay, so how do we do it? kind of the million dollar question. I bet that pretty much, uh, I, I won't say everybody, maybe some of you aren't, but I bet most of you here are on board with what I've said so far. That, yay, Jesus, he's alive. He tells us to make disciples. I love the idea that we should make disciples. But how do we do it? It's a million dollar question. And, and like I said, I was terrified and, and really disobedient for about four years in my Christian life of, of not being actively involved in this. And like I said, it's not my intention to make any of you feel guilty. Actually, what I want you to feel leaving from here is empowered that this is God's work and he can use you in it. So how do we go about this task of making disciples? Well, there's lots of ways. Um, I want to give you some tips here to end my sermon. I've I've got about ten of them. I'm going to go through them just in rapid fire. Uh, It's kind of like the spaghetti against the wall thing. You just throw the spaghetti against the wall and you see what sticks. So for you, I want you to, take, to listen to these 10 things and, and think about, in your context, what is it that you need to apply in your life? And really, you know, I think we should be applying all of them, but I want you to think about what is it that you can take as a next step in making disciples. Okay, 
So I've got ten of them. Real quick, number one, tell people that Jesus is Savior and Lord. I talk about those two titles for Jesus a lot. He is Savior, the one who takes away our sins. He is Lord, the one who is rightfully in control of our lives. Tell people to come to Jesus. Urge people to continue to follow him as Lord. Reminds me of our benediction verses that we'll say at the end here. Just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. Let's go to people with that message. Number two, remember that followers of Christ need the right environment to grow in. Now that's true for you, meaning that you need to put yourself in a place where you will hear from God, where you will hear his word, where you will pray, where you will be challenged by other believers. Then think about that as you make disciples. Urge people to put themselves in the right environment for growth, where they will have all those same influences in their lives. So the things that you need for your growth are the things that other people need as you make disciples. Number three, pray for those around you. Let's not forget prayer. Prayer is a huge step in this. Pray for other people, and as you're praying, tell God, God, I'll be used by you if you want me to. Give yourself to God in that process and see what doors God might open. Train yourself to look at the people around you as people that God might want you to talk with. Number four, love your neighbor as yourself. So as we're praying, we're watching for those open doors, and I've found that loving your neighbor is a great way to see those doors get opened. So love the people around you. Love them so much that you're willing to help them know Christ and to help them grow in their faith. Look for ways to love your neighbor. Now I said earlier that we're not just supposed to love people, we're supposed to teach them as well. Let me show you the flip side of that coin. We are not just supposed to teach people either. We are supposed to love them as well. And and let me just say this to clarify, you know, whether you're thinking, which side of the coin should I land on? No, there is no conflict between love and teaching, okay? Uh, it's it's mind-boggling to me that some people would say, I'm going to love people and not teach them, or I'm going to teach people and not love them. Why? Let's do both. Love your neighbor as yourself. Teach them to obey everything Jesus commanded. We can do them both. So look for ways to show love to people, to people who don't yet know Jesus, and to people that you can help grow in their faith. Okay, tip number five. Don't just tell people how to follow Jesus show them. And what that means is as you're interacting with people and you're helping them grow in their faith, tell them what you do. Not in such a way that they might think that you're a super Christian, but in a way that they might see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. We're told to do that by Jesus in Matthew 5. One way that I've done that is I've just asked people, so tell me, uh, what are you reading in the Bible? What are you learning from God? And as I ask them that, I'll show them what I've been learning. And what I'm doing there is I'm modeling for them daily, consistent Bible reading. So model for them how to walk with God. Number six, parents, disciple your kids. If you have kids, you have someone that you can disciple. So pray for them. Teach them. Set a good example for them. They're going to... One of the things you hear about disciple-making is that it's caught more than taught Uh, I don't know if I fully agree with that statement, but I fully agree with this idea that our kids watch us and they learn from us, for better or for worse. So set a good example for them. Teach them how to walk with Christ. And put them in the right environment for growth. Don't just let them make all their decisions about that. 
Sometimes you just need to say, you know what, you're coming with me and we're going to do this God thing here. Number seven. Uh, I, I'm going to take great joy in telling this one to you. Think of your work or your school as an environment for making disciples. It is not just we pastors who get to make disciples. It is not just preaching on Sunday morning that is a holy thing to do. Your going to work can be a holy thing. Your going to school can be a holy thing. As you work, as for working for the Lord and not for men. As you do good work, whatever it is, in, in school or at your job, do good work. Earn favor with those around you. And as God opens doors, take those opportunities to engage people in spiritual discussions. And what you do then on a daily basis can be holy. So I, I love this idea that you guys are all missionaries. Wherever you're at, you're missionaries to those around you. You can go with the gospel even in your work and in your school. And yeah, we have to be careful sometimes about how we balance those things. But at least ask God about how you can do that for his glory, how you can make disciples there. Number eight. Um, Let's say that you have somebody and you want to make disciples of them. Well, what do you teach them? One helpful tip is you can use our core value statement here at Cornerstone. We've got a core value statement of six things that we think are really important in our walk with God. It's not that they're the only six, and I hope we never get the impression that we're saying these are the only six things. Far from it. There's a lot of things that we should do in our walk with God. But we picked out six that we think are important, and if you're focusing on those six, I think you'll see the others around them. So uh, you can go on our website and find us or it's in the visitor's bulletins. But our core values of worshiping God, praying, consistent Bible reading, fellowship with God and fellowship with other believers, so maintaining that fellowship, being urged by those around you. Uh, number five is evangelism. Number six is service. Uh, teach people to do those things. Do those things yourselves. Okay, number nine, this one's just kind of a strategy. Um, one of the most successful strategies that I've seen, I was on staff of Campus Crusade for Christ for six years before coming here, and I'm now in my seventh year here. Over those 13 years, I've had the privilege of seeing people come to Christ and grow in their faith. And one thing that happens in not every case, but in a lot of those cases, most of those cases, is I see that they came along with somebody. It's not like they just came out of the blue and said, hey, I just received Christ by what you just said right now. I'm a stranger to you, but I don't know you. Usually what happens is that somebody knew that person. Somebody loved them. Somebody invited them to come along with them. And over the process of months or years even maybe, those people came to know Christ. That, that's the strategy that I have seen most of the time, at looking back at the fruit that I've seen in those ministries. So get involved in the lives of people. Engage in spiritual discussion. Love them and invite them along with you. And then number 10, very simply, God will guide you. Let's not forget that. This is not our work. It's God's work. And he will guide. We are supposed to make disciples, helping people come to know Jesus, helping them to be strengthened in their faith. And it's God's work. He wants us to join with him. So we should be involved in this work of the Great Commission, of making disciples. For a few reasons. Let me just list off three at the very end here. Obedience to our Master. He said we should do this. It's the last thing he said in the Gospel of Matthew. Make disciples. 
We should obey Him. Second reason, do you love the people around you? If you really love them, you'll realize that what they really need is Jesus. If they don't know Him, they need to come to know Him. If they do know Him, they need to grow in their faith. So let's love the people around us. And then number three, it's for God's glory. Remember, the disciples worshipped Jesus here. We are to worship Jesus. And that includes worshipping Him by making disciples. And do you know what happens as we make disciples? More people can worship Him and God receives more glory. And God is worthy of worship and glory. So let's give it to Him by making disciples. And let's do our part in making disciples. Would you pray with me? Father, thank You that You have revealed to us the saving message of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. His death for us. His life for us. We praise you for that message. It is so good. May we continue as your disciples, following you, learning from you, being changed by you. Make us into the people you want us to be. And as we walk with you, I pray that you would help us to make disciples, that you would strengthen us. This is your work, God. Please fill us with the Holy Spirit. Help us to see the opportunities around us and to make the most of everyone, whether that's helping somebody understand the gospel or whether it's helping somebody grow in their faith. God, I pray that you would strengthen each one of us who knows you to make disciples. And God, we still doubt sometimes. Please, please help us in our weakness and in our doubts. Help us to trust you more, to worship you, and to do our part in the great commission of making disciples for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.